0: Luke 18, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 3 again. Uh, Stephanie, I broke the joy. I broke the O. No, I broke the J last year. I broke the Y this year. So O, you're next. You're next. 1 Corinthians 3. Now, Paul writes, whether someone builds on the foundation of, Using enduring materials like gold, silver, and precious stones, or with perishable materials like wood, hair, straw, the day will show it for what it truly is, because that day will be revealed with fire. And each person's work, its true quality, the fire of the day, will put it to the test. This is God's word. So uh, we've been asking, or I've been asking, I don't know if you care, but it's what I've been working on. Um, If the gospel that churches have been proclaiming uh, will hold up, okay, in in the time of testing, in the day of the Lord, or if we're giving people what Spurgeon called a rickety gospel, which will not bear your weight, a chariot whose axles will snap or whose wheels will be taken off and all the rest. And we've been saying we don't want to give people that, okay, if the day of the Lord is going to reveal and disclose uh, what we've built with, we want to build with good things, we want to build with stuff that will last. And so instead, we want to proclaim not a rickety gospel, but a gospel that has the, the kingdom, the, the glory and the cross. Right. This age and the age to come or that we're trying to say now is not always because Jesus died for our sins. That's a non rickety gospel that will hold up. Last week we saw under suffering, under hardship, under persecution, fill in the blank. That gospel will stand because it points you to um, what God has in store for those who love him. And so today I want to look at another um, weight that threatens to snap the axles, and that is the, the issue of delayed justice. Okay, Delayed justice. Are we built on enduring materials that train us to deal with the cheating team winning the game? That's, you know, a small thing, right? It doesn't really matter. Or the crooked politician remaining in power or the scheming businessman trampling the poor or the wicked spouse getting the kids or the murderer and the pedophile being released from prison over and over and over. the 30 million men, women, and children that are sold um, for sex without consequences, it seems. Does the gospel that we've heard, that we're giving people, does it prepare us to deal with uh, Psalm 73 stuff? So Psalm 73, I just... Now, I learned Psalm 73 in uh, 2011. Uh, I was at NOC and we were watching the thunder lose to the heat. And the, the righteous were suffering and the wicked were prospering. And I was like, oh, I get it. Psalm 73. Psalm 73, he says, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They're not in trouble, they are not afflicted. The wicked say, How can God know? They're doing all this stuff. God. He can now look at them, they the wicked are always at ease, they increase in their wealth. And so, we're asking, Does the gospel that you've heard prepare you to deal with that? Because that's really common, that's a hallmark of this age. Because if it didn't, right, if you didn't hear something that's going to prepare you to deal with that, when the wicked prosper instead of the righteous, and when the justice campaign doesn't work, or when none of the crooks go to jail, you will become disillusioned, okay? Or, or, or And stray off the path, or worse, you'll choose to go the way of the wicked, because that works out, right? If your hope is set in this age, and the wicked are prospering in this age, you're going to do what they're doing, rather than putting your trust in what God has said, right? Like, so this is the issue. It really matters that you know how to deal with the delay of justice. So to uh, avoid that, you going off the path or or joining the heat, we need to believe a message that will sustain you in times of injustice. And the message of the cross before the day will do this perfectly. Okay? This is what it is actually for. So Luke 18 uh, might be familiar to you. Jesus tells a parable and he says there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God Or respect people, which are like the two biggies in the commandments, right? Love God, love your neighbor. He does neither. And a widow in that town kept coming to him, and she's saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. (laughs) Then the Lord says, he steps out of the parable, he's going to talk to them, listen to what the unjust judge says. Listen to what he did. He gave her justice eventually. On the other hand, will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you, he will swiftly, swiftly is relative, I guess. He will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... To execute, to bring justice, will he find faith on the earth? And then back to verse 1, he told them this parable on the need for them. In this age of injustice, he tells the parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up, okay? So there's injustice in the earth, she's not getting it, but because she kept faith, in which Jesus defines as praying always and not giving up, eventually justice came. And so Jesus says, so it will be for those who endure injustice now, but keep faith. And stay on the path and don't go the way of the wicked. The Son of Man will come with fire and angels like lightning and grant them swift justice. Okay? Luke 18, not a hard parable. And it's a parable in response to what comes before 18, math people? 17, right? It's a response to what they've just asked in 17. They asked, when is the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of justice, when is it going to come? So Luke 17, verse 20 He's asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them, the kingdom of God is not going to come when people are watching carefully for it. Nor will people say, look, it's over here. Which is alluding to like political schemes in the temple. We're going to bring it, bring the kingdom that way. Or there it is, alluding to like a military thing out in the desert like the the Maccabean revolt. It's not going to come like that. Jesus says the kingdom of God is going to appear in the midst of you. It's going to come into your midst. Verse 22. The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it, okay? You're going to want it to come, you're going to want justice to come, but you guys, you're not going to see it. So, how will the kingdom of God, a kingdom of justice, arrive? With political stuff in the temple, or military stuff out in the desert? No, Jesus says the kingdom of God will come with fire and angels, the kingdom of God will come on the day of the Lord. Verse 24. For as lightning flashes from the horizon to horizon, and lights up the sky. Okay. Big, visible, climactic. Bam. So will the son of man be in his day. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the son of man. For the flood came into their midst. And destroyed them all. On the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man appears, right? So they're saying, When's he gonna come? And he says, It's not gonna be like this or like this, it's gonna be like this. Right? That's Luke seventeen. Now you know Luke seventeen. Okay, when's it coming, And the reason that they're asking Jesus as Jews in the first century, under the thumb of Rome, when is the kingdom of God coming because they're asking because, hey, we want justice to come, okay things as they are 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 not right, okay, and so they know that when the kingdom with its messianic king comes, wrongs will be made right, okay. Injustices will be reversed and the righteous will be rewarded on a restored earth and the wicked will be punished through God's Messiah in Gehenna, in in hell. Okay, so this is what the prophets foretold. This is their expectation at a day set by God. Right. Not sped up by stuff in the temple, not sped up by stuff out in the wilderness, but at a fixed day set by the father, the arrogant and the oppressive, those who have done injustice without repentance, they will be dealt with. Okay? They will absolutely be dealt with. So just listen to how the prophets talk about this coming day and this coming man. Psalm 72 says, He, the Messiah, the anointed one, He will have compassion on the poor and the needy. And the lives of the needy He will save. Psalm 96 let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice. And then He lists trees and rocks and hills and all all the stuff. The Lord, He's coming. He's coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and his people in faithfulness. Isaiah 2. We sing this one a lot. The eyes of the arrogant man, Isaiah says, will be humbled. The pride of men will be brought low and the Lord alone will be exalted. He alone will be lifted up in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for for who? All the proud And the lofty for all that is exalted. And on that day, they will be humbled. They're going to be brought low. Isaiah 11 with righteousness. He'll judge the poor. He'll decide with equity for the meek of the earth. With the breath of his lips, he's going to kill the wicked, right? Those who have perpetrated injustice unrepentant on that day, the day for the Lord, where he's exalted, he's going to kill them with the breath of his mouth. Isaiah 29, the afflicted will also increase in their gladness in the Lord. So all the afflicted of the earth, those who have had injustice done to them over and over and over and over and over, at the day of the Lord, their gladness just goes... It's increased. It, It goes up. And the needy of mankind will rejoice in who? In the Holy One of Israel. Why? Because he's going to do uh, Psalm 113. Raise the poor from the trash. Right? And seat them with princes. And take the princes who in their injustices have treated them like trash. And bring them low. And then verse 9 of Psalm 113. justice has happened. And the psalmist goes, Hallelujah! Right? Which So we're singing. Uh, Chris is singing Hallelujah. And I, So just real quickly. Always forever. I know it sounds like this fluffy kind of girly whatever song right it's not right he says i would lay down my life just to be by your side that's matthew 19 where the disciples have just said we're gonna go to our death leave our families leave our homes leave our lands leave all this stuff so that in the age to come we can sit next to you and jesus says yeah Yeah, if you give everything, you'll be next to me. And then they're singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's Revelation 19. Have you read Revelation 19? It's the Lord pouring out justice on the wicked and the saints and the angels are going hallelujah. Those guys are taken care of. The Lord has poured out. So it's not. I mean, it sounds girly. It's not girly. That's a tense song. So Christa, sing it with a little more next time. Hallelujah. This is happening. Isaiah 42. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one and whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Whose job is it to bring forth justice to the nations? He. Him. Not something out in the desert, not something in the temple. This guy, Zephaniah 3, is beautiful. At that time, the Lord says, "I will deal with all of your oppressors. I will save the lame, I will gather those who are driven out, and I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they've put to shame. So just imagine the the, the outcasts of the earth, the poor, the lame, the marginalized, all of these people whose whole life has been shame." Because of what other people have done, right, who have not used their positions of authority to love and to serve, but have used their positions to hurt and elevate themselves. On that day, the Lord's going to bring these people down and he's going to lift them up and appoint them to a place of fame and praise. And we'll all say what Jesus said. Oh, yeah, the first actually will be last This is what the day of the Lord is about. It's a day of reversal where the poor become rich and the lame start to leap and those who have been trampled on are raised up, right? And so the Pharisees are asking, when is this going to come? When's it going to happen? Further, when the Son of Man comes, justice is meted out to the wicked for their crimes, okay? God is just. He will not let the wicked go unpunished. And this culminates, right, the the, the finality of their punishment, of their judgment, is through the Messiah casting them into Gehenna or, or New Testament, we would call it hell. So Psalm 11, on the wicked, the Lord will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot for the Lord is righteous and he loves justice, right? He's not ambivalent to what's what's going on like he loves justice isaiah 30 probably the most famous and and where all the hell language in the new testament comes from right here isaiah 30 the lord will cause men to hear his majestic voice he will make them see his arm coming down jesus john 5 to who is the arm of the lord been revealed okay He will make him see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire with cloudbursts, thunderstorm, hail, Sinai imagery. Verse 33, Topeth, the valley of Hinnom, the valley of Gehenna, uh, a hell. It's been long prepared. It's been made ready for the king. Its fire pit has been made deep and wide with an abundance of fire and wood. And the breath of the Lord, like a stream of burning sulfur, sets this valley on fire. And he throws the wicked into it, okay? So this is what righteous Jews are praying for. They've got all this injustice happening. Uh, The the bad guys are winning over and over and over and over and over. They're going, how long, oh Lord? Jesus, when will the kingdom come? And and So this is what they're asking for, and and they're asking for this way before Jesus shows up. Okay, like uh, Christina alluded to, like, hey, hey, sorry about your pokes, man. Oh, man. (laughs) injustice just kidding recruit better guys they're Not, not righteous Jews are waiting for this so in the the uh, the Kaddish, it's a Jewish prayer way predates Jesus and see if this sounds familiar to you this is what they're praying way before Jesus shows up Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world, which he created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and at a near time. The disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. What's he say? Our father in the heavens, vindicate your name. Right. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus is just stealing prayers, guys. Just like he steals John the Baptist sermons. Right. John the Baptist shows up, says, repent, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And Jesus goes. Yeah, repent. The kingdom of heaven's a hand. He's just a he's just a plagiarizer. That's all he's doing. But they're waiting for this. In the Christmas story, Zechariah, the priesthood, and the people at the temple, likely praying, Isaiah 46, oh God, rend the heavens and come down. Bring justice. Rescue us from our oppressors. Do what you said you would do. Uh the angel comes to Mary and and, um, uh gets the announcement. Um I have it verse 32, Mary's told from the angel, the Lord God will give your son the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. So Mary hears an announcement about the coming king, right? And, and, and what does she do with this announcement, right? The child in your room, he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's going to sit on David's throne, rule the nations in righteousness. And so Mary's response to that is to sing, Right? And she sings in line with the expectation of what David's son will do. Sean read some. I'll read a little bit more this morning. She sings, my soul exalts in the Lord. My spirit's full of joy because of God, my Savior. He's shown concern for his slave in her humble circumstances. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Right? He who is mighty has done a great thing. Holy is his name. Verse 51. Her song in response to this announcement that this is the guy. He will surely perform mighty acts with his powerful arm. The arm of the Lord, Isaiah 30, that's casting the wicked into Gehenna. He has as good as scattered those who are arrogant in mind and in heart. He will certainly tear ruthless tyrants from their thrones and exalt the humble. The hungry, he will satisfy with good things, but the rich, he's going to send away with nothing, right? If David's son is in my womb, then a day of justice is coming, and the wicked will be brought low, and the humble will be raised up, and wrongs will be made right. This is Mary's response because she's a Jew in the first century. She's like, oh yeah, day of the Lord, kingdom of God, son of David, this is what I should expect. And she sings in response to it. Okay, so this is their expectation. This is why the Pharisees are asking. This is why Zechariah is praying. This is why Mary is singing. Okay? Things aren't right. Things are justice is not being done. So what gives? Right. This is just normal humans do this. So here is the rub, though. And here's why I wanted to deal with this, because it is um, crucial for discipleship to have the cross before the day of justice, cross before the day of the Lord in our guts. If you don't have this. You get weird. You go You go crazy. This is the entire Q movement. They cannot deal with things being wrong in the world and not being fixed right now. Here's the rub that justice has been promised, right? I could have read 50 more passages from the prophets that say justice is coming. Justice is coming. God loves justice. He's going to do it over and over and over again. It's been promised, but justice has not come. So I figured out in that dorm room at NOC, like, Kevin Durant is Jesus, LeBron is the devil, like why isn't this, it's not working, justice has been promised, it has not come, Psalm 73 is still happening guys, cheaters still win, the wicked still prosper, the poor are still trampled, and so the question that a normal human heart, just a normal one, not even an especially spiritual one, just a normal human heart starts to ask why. If God has promised justice, if God has promised to make wrong things right, what's taking so long? Why the delay? How long, O oh, Lord? Okay? You've ever asked this and wondered this? You're law enforcement, this is your life, right? <laughs> like, oh, this is taking forever. Okay? The answer is really simple. Okay? Why is there a delay? Why has justice been promised yet not come? The answer is very, 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 very simple, and it's this that God is merciful. not it's not hard there's a cross for the wicked a cross for the unjust that they would put their trust in him repent turn and therefore be saved out of the day of the lord and the day of judgment it's the difference between the two advents christ's first coming and his second his first one hebrews nine he comes to bear sin his second time he comes to bring salvation Right. To, like this is what's going on. And so the fact is that God loves the crooked politician and God loves the loan shark and God loves the woman and the man and the doctor who slaughter their children. God loves them. And therefore, because he loves them before the act 1731 fixed day by which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man he has appointed. Therefore, he's provided a cross for the forgiveness of their sins. You're asking, like, why the delay of justice? The answer is the mercy of God. The kindness of God is why justice hasn't come yet. Second Peter 3, 9. Don't you know, God is patient towards you, not wishing any would perish, but that all would reach repentance and therefore be saved from the wrath to come. There's a cross before the day. Romans 5, 8 and 9. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, okay? All of you, me, all all of us, still sinners, still on on the side, not of justice, but of injustice. While we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. So how much more? How much more? Since we have now been justified by his blood cross, we'll be saved through him from the day of wrath, right? It's just a simple mechanism of mercy now, judgment later, God's patience now, God's not patience later, okay? God will absolutely bring justice to the earth. Of that, we can be sure. He, he does not lie. He will right every wrong. This is what he, what he told them. He says, I tell you, he will swiftly grant them justice when the Son of Man comes, okay? Swiftly grant them justice. We go, yeah, but there's a delay until the Son of Man comes. 2 Peter 3, 7. Like, we know the day of the Lord will come. The heavens and the earth, that now exists. Okay? And Peter's talking about the whole bit. So just in, in 2 Peter, he's got false prophets, depraved ways, greed, polluted desires, rebellion, slander, lawlessness, debauchery. Like, he's listed all of these things. He says, these present Heavens and earth, they are stored up for fire. They're being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So it's not a question of if God is going to do this. He's going to fix the stuff. He's going to make the wrongs right. But there is a delay. And the delay is due to mercy. Okay? Which, as a sinful human being, you should rejoice in. Okay? God has set a day when he will, by his anointed, make wrong things right. But now he's being patient. Okay? There's a merciful cross before the day of justice. And so if this is true, and I, I think it is, what's our response to it? What's our response to this cross in mercy for bad guys before the day? The first is to repent. Okay? First is to take God up on his mercy And his cross and repent. So, if you are here today and you are practicing wickedness and you are practicing injustice towards God and his people, you will get your due. Like, don't leave here thinking I'm okay. You're not. You will get your due. So, do not interpret God's mercy as approval, right? Because this, this is what little kids do, right? Like, I'm doing stuff, I'm getting away with it, nothing's happened yet. That must mean the adults think it's okay. That's not the case. The adults just didn't don't see it, right? <laughs> You're just hidden, right? But when they see it, they're going to deal. You will get your due. So instead of going on in your delusion that this is an okay way to live, to rebel against God, to be unjust towards people, instead of that, confess your sins, cry out to God for mercy, put your hope in the cross, receive forgiveness, and then enter life when Jesus returns, okay? And you can be the poor that are lifted up instead of the haughty that are cast down. First, is the response to mercy and the day is, is repentance, And so if you're here today and you're not repenting, you're not putting your trust in in God's mercy, in the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and you got questions about it, talk to a member of our church. They can tell you, hey, here's what the cross is. Here's what it means to put your trust in it. Here's what Jesus' resurrection means. Here's what your resurrection means. Here's the path. They can do that. Okay? They are well equipped to tell you what the gospel is, how to repent, how to follow Jesus. You can talk to me or any of our other elders, but please do not leave here today going on in your delusion that injustice is okay and rebellion against God is okay. No, there is a day of judgment coming. The Son of Man will come and he will cast the wicked into hell. And we want you to avoid that. Flee the wrath to come is the message that this cross gives, okay? Everyone got that? It's the most important thing today. Everything else is a cherry on top. Flee the wrath to come. Second, in the meantime, while we're waiting for the Son of Man to come, while we're waiting for God's ultimate justice, we are to do justly. Okay, We are to not walk in unrighteousness and injustice. We are to walk in justice. Isaiah 1, not our context exactly, but it fits. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. This is your marching orders, people of God. This is what you are to do. And so, as we talked about this a little bit this morning, how do you think people will ever believe our message about a coming king who will establish love in the earth, and who will establish justice in the earth, and establish righteousness in the earth, unless we, who are giving that message... Actually, back that claim up with just acts, right? If we say, "Yeah, it's a coming kingdom of justice; every all things will be made new, rights will be wrong," and then in our midst we don't live justly with each other and we practice unrighteousness in our midst, or they're going kind to of like, "What? Well, doesn't doesn't match?" Okay, but what if we proclaim that message of a coming kingdom and a coming day of justice, and then we walk it out in our midst? Okay? And, and, and people see in our midst that the oppressed are protected, okay? Rather than uh, exposed. And they see in our midst that the poor are provided for. And they see in our midst that the abused are advocated for. And they see in our midst that the orphan is sheltered and family, okay? And then we tell people, yeah, the, the age to come is like this. It looks like this. The orphan finds a home, the poor are protected, the abused are like, and then they go, oh, okay. I can you know, people have to have a contact point. If they don't, it's just words. It's just words. So those of you that have fostered and adopted and, and done all this stuff, thank you. You guys give our gospel message credibility. Because you can say, yeah, the age to come is like that, and we're practicing it now. The daytime is like that. The night's almost past here, so we're walking as in the daytime right now. And people will believe it, okay? So we do justly. Our hope in the gospel of the coming kingdom does not hinder, but energizes our acts of justice now, right? Because I get this a lot. Like, you put so much emphasis on the return of Jesus. You put so much emphasis on the age to come and the resurrection and now is not always and blah, 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 blah. And, and they think that the response to this future-oriented message is that we sit on our hands and do nothing, And that's just the opposite. Read the prophets. Read the New Testament. Guys, like this, no. Emphasizing the return of Jesus, a coming kingdom, energizes us now to live justly and live as we will live then, right? There's no immorality in the age to come. I'm not going to live immorally now, right? There's no lying in the age come I'm not going to lie. Right? It, 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 it forms us and, and gets us ready. Right? is a whole nother deal. <laughs> whole nother deal. Okay? So do justly now. And then the third thing here is to always pray and not give up. Right? Straight from the parable. He told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. And so why is prayer necessary? Okay? Because it's through prayer that we access the grace necessary to respond to injustice Rightly, right? You ever go in, you know, the difference between going into a situation that you've prayed about and just hopping in and then you get hit in the face. You want to be this guy because you've prepared yourself and God's given you the spirit to help you. It's, it's through prayer that we access the grace to not give up in believing God's promise that he will set all things right. And he will bring perfect justice on the day he has set when the son of man comes. And then by God's grace, by God's spirit, we can actually then walk this life out in the face of injustice. We can, we're actually equipped to deal with it through prayer and the Spirit being given to us um, in prayer. So 1 Peter 2, right, and we could have just read all of 1 Peter, which is one section here. Peter says, be subject to the Lord, or for the Lord's sake, okay, for his message being uh, credible, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Mm-hmm. Oh, You know what I mean? Like, uh, Peter, have you met human institutions? Yeah, his is worse than yours. Okay, and he says, "Be subject to them, servants. Be subject to your masters with all respect." And you're like, "Okay, I got a good boss. I can, I can do that." Not only to the good and gentle, though, but Peter says, "Be subject to, uh, also to the unjust servants. Be subject to your unjust." Masters, verse 19, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, mindful of his cross, his mercy to the wicked before that day. When mindful of God, you endure sorrow from oppressive governments and masters and and fill in the blank while suffering unjustly. This is nails on a chalkboard to read. (laughs) This is terrible. Verse 20, if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So God sees you in the middle of injustice and he's not saying it's right or it's okay. Like we're not saying injustice is awesome, but he's seeing your heart response in the midst of it and says, this is a gracious thing. Why? Because it shows that you actually trust his story. You actually believe the narrative about the cross in this age before the age to come. It shows you've really, you know, you've done the storing up treasure for that age where moth and rust can't steal it, you know, and, and can't mess with it now. And you've put your hope in his day of justice. And so if you have this in your heart, you have the cross before the day and you know that injustice happens all the time and it's a hallmark of this age you can say thing crazy things you can say insane things like paul in first corinthians 6 right we've got a lawsuit happening and it seems like the bad guy is one and paul writes to them hey man why not just rather be wronged which i know as americans is like hold up i get it like i i get it but paul says look if the age to come is real and you're going to live forever and everything that's stolen in this age, he's going to restore, why not rather be wronged? Why not? Okay? Or he, the guys in Hebrews 10, right? You guys, because you're, you've set your hope in another age, because you've set your hope in the resurrection, whoever wrote Hebrews, can say, you guys joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew you had a better possession. That is so stupid if this isn't true, right? But if this is true, and this is 80 years, maybe, and that's ages upon ages upon ages upon ages, it's not stupid. It makes sense. And it shows that you actually believe the cross stuff. You actually believe this stuff. And so you can say, it's okay if I'm wrong, and it's okay if my stuff gets stolen. I'm going to live forever. And so in the meantime, I'm going to extend mercy and kindness to those who are perpetrating injustice. I'm going to call them to repent in the day of the Lord and you know, hopefully get my stuff back. But if they don't, I'm going to act like my master did and carry the same cross he did and extend mercy to them in hopes that they will turn. And not be cast into a lake of fire, but enter life with me. And I have to give you my stuff back, too. Like, this is what we do. And so God sees you act like that and says, this is a gracious thing. Verse 21, for to this, to unjust treatment, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you. If you want to talk about injustice, the most unjust act in human history is that God came here and we killed him. We put him on a cross. To this you've been called. Christ did it, leaving you an example, not leaving you an out, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. You might do as he did in the face of injustice. And what are those steps? Verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he did what? Continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. It's not a question of, is justice going to be done? It's a question of, can you handle it in the delay? Can you, like the widow, always pray and not give up and not do the Pharisee thing and try to bring it about yourself? But to put your trust in the Lord, cry out to God for grace and help, and then walk this thing out. And if you lose your stuff, it's 80 years, man. If if injustice is done to you, 80 years. 80 years. Right. This is the message. And, and I know this isn't like a super Christmas message or whatever, but Advent comes every year. You know, I feel like, oh, gosh, we got to do this again. <laughs> this is the message. There is a cross before the day. And by putting your hope in that story and not some other wacky thing, by putting your hope in that story, injustice can come and you can deal and you can stay on the narrow path and not give up. And I promise you, you will not regret it. You will be rewarded for endless ages. Okay, let's pray. Father, we, um... oh, Robert, if you would come help us, please. Sorry, I was just rolling, man. And I forgot. God, we need help. Um... We need help to put uh, our trust in your story and how you view things. We need help to um, always pray and not give up in the face of injustice. God, we, we, we thank you for uh, temporal justice. We, we rejoice, God, when, when just things happen, now. We, we, and we pray for those things and we ask for those things and we walk in those things but we set our hope ultimately in the day when the Son of Man comes and He grants justice swiftly, God, to His people and He makes all things new, restores, fixes, casts down the mighty from their thrones, takes the poor from the ash heap and seats them with princes. So mark it on our heart, God. Make it real, not just words. And I ask God just for the next uh, couple moments as we come to the Lord's table and we remember the cross. We proclaim his death for sinners. For the unjust, God, for those who have done unspeakable things in their heart, thought unspeakable things in their minds, done unspeakable things uh, with their actions, God, that you still love the world, gave your son for them, and we proclaim that death and we live uh, that cross-shaped life uh, until you come. In the name of Jesus, everyone said,